Welcome to J-Root Radio. Once again, Healthy Living. My name is Eliezer Gruber, a certified nutritionist with offices in Borough Park and in Yerushalayim and Eretz Israel. For our first-time listeners, my goal in the field of nutrition is to bridge a gap, and do I mean a wide gap, between nutrition and medicine. On a regular, ongoing basis, I am communicating with the medical field, doctors from some of the top medical centers in the world. This basically translates to providing you, the population with cutting-edge research on a clinical basis, applying it on a clinical basis, promoting optimal health and wellness for the patient. The purpose for developing years ago and opening the Nutri-Supreme Research and Education Center located in the heart of Borough Park is to provide, to educate the population on an ongoing basis, this cutting-edge research and how in a design, a GPS, a roadmap for optimal health and wellness. And also, I developed the Nutri-Supreme Research line of dietary supplements, vitamins, with the vision and the purpose, the goal, to provide cutting-edge formulations that promotes optimal health and wellness, that addresses the deficiencies today. We live in a, in a culture, in an environment and, and of overconsumption and malnutrition. There's so many deficiencies or more imbalances. So in order to correct, sometimes we need more than just Bez Hashem, a good eating plan. We need to sometimes use dietary supplements to correct these imbalances. Doctors today that I communicate, network with, practicing mainstream medicine, are using some of the formulations, Nutri-Supreme Research's formulations, in three different continents in the world, getting phenomenal results. Today's show is a show that is very, very important, is very crucial for our listeners to understand very clearly and I want to be able that you should call in with questions at the end of the show. It's actually going to be a two-part series. Today will be begin the first part of this two-part series. There is a global, and do I mean a global, public health crisis throughout the world, especially in the developing countries. An epidemic that is literally sweeping across the United States. The number of Americans, men, women, adolescents, children that are overweight and obese has climbed at such an alarming rate. And 54%, that's over half of the U.S. adults, have abdominal obesity, that's fat in the abdominal area, in the stomach area, which is the most dangerous place to have fat stored in the abdominal and the stomach area. Childhood obesity has more than doubled in, in children and quadrupled in adolescents in the past 30 years. The percentage, the percent of children age, ages 6 to 11 in the U.S. who were obese increased from 7% in the year 1980 to nearly 18% in the year 2012. The percent of adolescents ages 12 to 19, increased from 5% to nearly 21%. In 2012, just two years ago, more than one-third of children and adolescents were overweight and obese. 
this epidemic, the obesity, the overweight, the youth are more likely to have risk factors for cardiovascular disease, and it can start at a very early age. Coronary artery disease can start at a very early age. A sample of, of, five, of ages 5 to 17 years old, 70% of the overweight, obese youth had at least one risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And we're seeing in our own community, younger people, 30s, 40s, 50s, with coronary artery disease that are having heart attacks. Children, again, and adolescents who are obese are likely to be as obese as adults, increases the risk significantly significantly as an adult, and the risk factors for heart disease, developing heart disease, diabetes type 2, stroke, and several cancers, and osteoarthritis with this, with this obesity epidemic. Type 2 diabetes has been a new, described as a new epidemic in the American pediatric population. Type 2 diabetes has changed from a disease of our grandparents, our parents, to a disease of our children, our adolescents. According to the president of the American Diabetes Association, more and more children and young adults are developing this devastating disease. It has become very apparent to the medical field that we have much to learn about who is at risk in the pediatric population and why they actually develop disease and how to treat them. And most importantly, most important, how do we prevent this new epidemic from Rachman and Letzlan destroying future generations? According to the CDC, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, one in three adults have a diagnosis of prediabetes that was diagnosed in 2010. This translates to 79, approximately 79 million Americans ages 20 and older. The majority of these people living with prediabetes do not even know. They don't even know that they have this condition. Our children, our adolescents that have prediabetes are living with a very, very serious health condition that increases the risk, significantly increases the risk for developing type 2 diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and later in life, which I will address, will at later in life a much higher risk for an aging of Alzheimer's disease. I would like all of our listeners to understand very clearly, crystal clear, I am not here to scare, to frighten any one of you, cause you any more stress, and focus on the negative. The purpose of this two-part series is not, gonna be, is not to be negative. Rather, is what we can do, the flip side of what we can do to reduce to be able to have reduced in, in, in a very in a, in a, in a 
significantly this, this obesity, this diabetes epidemic that we're seeing in the pediatric population. Prevention, prevention, prevention is at the forefront. I w- I'm here to educate our listeners and how simple lifestyle changes, I mean very simple lifestyle changes can prevent this devastating disease from surfacing. In order to be able to educate you and to understand, I would like to spend a few minutes, a one-on-one course on what is happening in our bodies that is causing this diabetes, pre-diabetes to surface, and why pre-diabetes and diabetes are at a risk, or increased risk for heart attack, for stroke, peripheral arterial disease, which means damages to blood vessels over time. Rachmana Latzlund, there can be an increased risk for lower limb amputation. Diabetes is a leading cause of kidney failure. In any dialysis clinic, in Borough Park, I see walking down 13th Avenue, there is a dialysis clinic. The number two reasons, two the most two common reasons why people go on dialysis is because of diabetes and hypertension. And we'll see, we'll see in today's show in the second part that hypertension, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, abdominal fat, visceral fat, low HDL, high triglycerides, it's all one chant, it's all one pie. It's all one phenomenon. This is what's happening to the population. Also, the leading cause of blindness, diabetes is a leading cause of blindness in the United States, fatty, fatty liver, long used to be fatty liver, a doctor, he sees an A, high ALT, high AST, those are liver enzymes. He would ask his patient, are you an alcoholic, are you a drug addict? Now we see clearly that fatty liver can come from this abdominal fat, from this metabolic syndrome problem, from this imbalance. And fatty livers for over a long period of time is not a benign problem. It can cause scarring of the liver, loss of sensation. People come to the Nutri-Supreme Research and Education Center. And when I say sit down with me with a, in a consultation, and I start going through their symptoms, what they're experiencing, what they're exhibiting. I get tingling, numbness in my hands, my feet. What could be possibly the beginning of diabetes, some form of diabetic neuropathy, also depression. We will see how diabetes, a in, uncontrolled Sugar levels can increase risk for depression, mood disorders in an aging population, our precious geriatric population. The fastest growing population is the baby boomers. What's going to happen with this precious baby boomer population as they go into aging? Alzheimer's disease is not, it's true. The number one risk factor is aging. But it's not a part of aging. It increases risk for Alzheimer's aging, the aging population. 
but that does not mean that there needs to be or diagnosed the person has to develop Alzheimer's disease. What can we do to prevent Alzheimer's disease? We will see in the course of this presentation, today's show, and in part two, the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine, which all the medical field is very well aware of, the New England Journal of Medicine, a study published showing that not before not even diabetes or prediabetes elevated sugar levels which is so common in this country again even at a very low a very young age in very young children and adolescents that doubles the risk according to the New England Journal of Medicine for developing Rachmaninoff Alzheimer's disease again I am here to paint you a beautiful scene, a beautiful roadmap that that Be'ezus Hashem will get you where you want to go, healthy aging. A beautiful scene and not a negative, not an ugly picture. So let's start, let's get to the root of the problem. And by the way, there there has been also, I believe, in Annals of Internal Medicine, Annals of Internal Medicine is also a very world-recognized medical journal. Statin medications, that's Lipitor, Zocor, Simvastatin, Crestor. One of the number one common, common medications prescribed in cholesterol. We will see in this presentation incre- can increase risk of di- developing onset diabetes by over 40% in a very, very large woman study. Now, there is, we have to weigh the scale. There's two, obviously, we got to weigh the positive against the negative. I'm not here to tell anybody not to, to go on medication, to go off medication. You need to speak to your doctor. You know, whether, whether the doctor, the medical field studies have shown preventing stroke, preventing heart attacks, with cholesterol-lowering medication. I'm not coming here to suggest in any form or fashion whether taking or not taking medication, but it's clear the data was showed that it can increase diabetes by over 40%. And it doesn't matter the dosage. So you need to be educated. You need to speak to your doctor, your physician, your internist, your cardiologist, about the pros and the cons. But at the forefront, again, we are living in a quick-fix generation, feel better tomorrow, today, yesterday, not tomorrow. We need to educate. How can we prevent? Why do we need to go on medication? Why do we, whatever medication that we need that is being prescribed, it all stems, it all starts two places. In the kitchen, what are we putting in our, when we go to the supermarket, when we go to the grocery store, what are we putting in our carts? Are we putting foods in there that promote health and wellness? Are we putting foods in there that promote diabetes, cardiovascular disease, inflammatory problems? Is that what we put? We need to be educated and we need to be proactive and not rely and not rely on a prescription pad model. 
when there is some form of disease or onset, an early disease or in the middle, mild, moderate, severe, whatever the case might be, on the prescription pad model, again, I'm not here to suggest in any form of fashion. You need to work with your doctor, as I mentioned in the, in the, in the Hagdoma of this series that I'm working with the medical field in a very strong way, communicating with them, and working together, both fields together, medicine and nutrition, to bridge this gap. Sometimes medicine can be life-saving. If it's appropriately used, it needs to be appropriate, but we cannot, if we're going to just avoid and just discard, and we're not going to be want to be educated in what we can do as prevention and how we can live a life for ourselves, our children, the mothers that are listening out there, the gatekeepers of the family for our children, our parents, our grandparents, our grandchildren. What can we do to help? It starts at home. It starts in the kitchen. And we need to address the schools, the education system. And we can't rely on just Michelle Obama coming out with whole wheat bread. We'll get into whole wheat bread. We'll get into holy bread and diabetes, but that's not the purpose right now. The purpose, we need to be educated. And we need to start an exercise, a constructive, a very well constructive and mean or in, in, in order to have health and wellness along with the right dietary choices, a structured exercise probe. And we're going to get in today or next or in the second part, sleep. Sleep can actually, sleep deprivation, which is major in this country, can increase the risk for diabetes type 2. Now, let's start again 101 course and we want to be educated in the Band-Aids. Medicine is a Band-Aid, another Band-Aid, another Band-Aid. You're bleeding, you need a Band-Aid. But let's take out the piece of glass. Let's take out the splinter. Let's take out what's causing the bleeding. A person feels in the morning breakfast, their stomach. They have foods that are very quickly absorbed. The sugars, the juices, the apple juice, the orange juice, the sodas, the refined carbohydrates, the breads, the pastas, the rice, the white rice, the potatoes, the chips, the pretzels, the cookies. Again, I'm not suggesting that you have to totally eliminate if it's done in moderation. Let's start. Moderation means a Shabbos, a Yontif. We're coming soon. So Yontif, there, and if it's appropriately used, that's how we should use it, but not on an everyday basis. Sugar levels with these type of foods, with these carbohydrates, the sugar levels rise very, very quickly. In response to these sugar levels, these high sugar levels, the pancreas, Baruch Hashem, secretes a hormone called insulin. Insulin helps our muscle cells, our liver cells, to absorb the sugar, the excess glucose in our bloodstream. This hormone insulin also stimulates the liver and the muscle cells to store glycogen, to store excess glucose when we are not eating. Insulin, by the way, this hormone also lowers sugar levels by reducing glucose production in the liver. 
So insulin is very, very needed. And human biology and human chemistry is very important to have appropriate, optimal insulin levels. In a healthy person, these functions allow sugar and insulin levels to remain in a normal range. What exactly is happening in diabetes? Diabetes is a syndrome where carbohydrates, fats, protein, there are three groups of three types of food, carbohydrates, fat, and protein. The metabolism of these foods is impaired when there is diabetes. I use an example, a muscle, a lock and a key. I will call insulin, this hormone that's again secreted by the pancreas, I call it a hormone, we'll call it the key. The surrounding membrane of a cell, the muscle cells, the liver cells, let's call a lock. So we have this key, insulin, and we have a lock. When sugar levels are elevated, there needs to be in place secretion, appropriate secretion of insulin from the pancreas. That key, that hormone needs to travel to the cells, to the muscle cells, liver cells. And this needs, this key needs to fit into a lock to the receptors of that cell, those cells around the cell membrane, the receptors. It needs to fit in like you want to go home and you want to open up the door of your house. You take the key out of your pocketbook and you fit it into the lock. It needs to fit into that lock and open up the door. It needs to fit into your car lock into your, to open up the door to your car. What happens if you go home and the, and, the, and the key doesn't fit in so well? It doesn't turn the lock. So you're wondering, what's happening over here? Is my key bent? Am I have the, do I have the wrong key? Maybe I, I picked up the wrong key by mistake. So you, don't, you can't get in. It's not going to help. It's not going to help to call Joseph Locksmith and have him bring keys and more keys to fit into the lock. Because Joseph Locksmith is going to come out there and he's going to say, Mrs. So-and-so, the problem is there's some type of debris there's something that got caught into the lock, into the cylinder that's not allowing your key to fit in appropriately into the lock and turn. It's the right key. It's just not fitting into the lock. Now, in diabetes, actually, one of two things can be happening. Where the lock and key mechanism is not working pr- appropriately. Type 1 diabetes, also which is called insulin-dependent diabetes, is caused by a lack, as I mentioned, a hormone insulin that is secreted by the pancreas when sugar levels go up. There is a problem with the pancreas. The key, there is no hormone that's being secreted from the pancreas. So that means there is high blood sugars, hyperglycemia, high blood sugar. And if it's, there's no hormone, if no insulin to travel, to open up the door, to attach itself to the receptor, to open up the door, to allow the excess 
sugar to go into the cells, this high blood sugar can cause damage to our cells. Whether it's our arteries, whether it is our kidneys, whether it's in, our, uh, in our, the peripheral, whether it's in our legs, our circulation, our legs, whether it's in our eyes, whether it's in the brain, high sugar is toxic. It's a poison. Over a long period of time, it's a, it's a poison. Even not a long period of time. It needs to be very well regulated. If it's not regulated well, it can cause major problems. So in diabetes type 1, the beta cells of the pancreas is, is caused, there is a disease, there is something that is causing that these beta cells are not working properly, it's not secreting insulin, and that is causing what is ca- called diabetes type 1. What causes the injury, the injury to these beta cells in the pancreas? It could be a viral infection, It could be an autoimmune disorder that can be involved in the destruction of these beta cells. Again, the destruction of these beta cells in the pancreas, where now the cells are not secreting insulin, so our insulin levels, I'm sorry, our glucose levels, our sugar levels are high. And there can even be a genetic component which can determine who is, who is susceptible to this destruction of the beta cells? There was a study, which I'll speak more about in part two, regarding, as I mentioned, autoimmune disease, beta cell destruction in the pancreas, type 1 diabetes. In Finland, a Finland study with, with, with vitamin D, which is actually a hormone, that we saw with the vitamin D, it can help... Bez Hashem prevent autoimmune disease or autoimmune destruction in the pancreas, of which is, can cause diabetes type 1. Now, type 2 diabetes is a different problem. The pancreas is secreting insulin. So the key, which I mentioned, insulin is a key. The problem is the lock. As I mentioned, you go home, you can't open up the door with your key. And Joseph Locksmith comes out, there's debris. There's debris in the lock. That's why your key is not fitting in properly. It's not turning and opening up your door. You don't need another key. Your key is fine. If we clean out and get the debris out of the lock, then the key is going to fit in like a glove and open up your door. What's happening in diabetes type 2 the cell membrane, the receptors are losing. They're losing their sensitivity. Either they're losing their sensitivity or for different metabolic reasons, what's happening with today's lifestyle habits that's causing less and less the obesity, overweight, which is a theory causing less of these cells, receptors in the cells in order now where you have a lot of receptors that can open up, that open up the door to get out this excess, to get out this excess blood sugar in the, in the, in the bloodstream. So either a lack of receptors 
or compromised receptors, losing the sensitivity. In fact, diabetes type 2, not type 1, accounts for approximately 90 to 95% of all cases of diabetes. In most cases, the onset of type 2 diabetes occurs after 30 years old, probably between somewhere between 30 and 50 years old, 50 and 60 more often. However, in the last decade, in the history of the world, the world has never witnessed such a growing, alarming, alarming epidemic, like a virus, like a swine flu, an epidemic of bacterial and infection sweeping across the American continent of diabetes type 2 in children and adolescents. There has been such an increase in children and adolescents that are diagnosed with prediabetes and diabetes and excess weight, obesity, abdominal fat. Why do I see in my practice at the Nutri-Supreme Research and Education Center at 4315 14th Avenue, why do I see and I, people come to me and when I say to them, I don't mean to alarm you, but your blood test suggests that there is prediabetes over here. Not suggest, it is showing prediabetes. And many times people come to me and they show me whether it's their children or their adolescents. And I see already from just fasting glucose level a red flag, somewhat of a red flag where it looks like it's a borderline sugar, fasting sugar level. And when we go further, investigate further, in other blood tests, it now verifies that there is prediabetes. How many people, how much, if I would say over 50%, 75% that I see in the Nutri-Supreme Research an education center, low HDL levels, that's the good cholesterol, high triglycerides in the young population. In my interview years and years ago with Professor Gerald Reven at Stanford Medical Center, who is the world-renowned expert in prediabetes, metabolic syndrome, syndrome X, it doesn't matter what you want to call it, what label you want to call it, doesn't make a difference. The, the bottom line is, there's impaired glucose regulation. And impaired glucose regulation is hitting our population like a forest fire, a wildfire. And if we don't do something, if we, and that's not calling the New York Fire Department. That's not what we need to do. It's interesting. About several weeks ago, I see five, six of the New York Fire Department coming into the Nutri-Supreme. I got about six fire departments fire department people coming into my office for different whatever reason, and they are not, not for some type of education, not because Baruch Hashem, we didn't have a fire, for some type of education in the field of nutrition. They came into my office. But it's not to call the fire department, the New York Fire Department, to put out the fire. How do we put out this fire, this forest fire? The way we start is what we are putting on our shopping list, what we are putting in our shopping carts in the grocery store, 
What are we serving our family, ourselves, our husband, our children, our parents? What is putting on the table? What are the schools putting out on the tables in the lunchroom, in the school lunchroom? Is it causing this escalating or increasing or putting more or, in, or causing increased risk for a fire or not? This needs to be addressed. And in the majority of cases, in most all cases, we're adding fuel to already a slow-burning, low-grade fire. Again, I don't mean, I'm not here to scare you. I'm not here to frighten you. I'm here to educate you. Healthy living. J. Root, Radio J. Root has been on the air. Healthy living has been on the air for over two years now. I'm not an extremist. I'm here to educate you on a balance. On a balance of health, what it means healthy living. On Chazal, the Rambam. On Chazal, what it said, Gemara's... What Chazal say about what, are, what is our shtadlis, what we need to do, not just communicating with physicians, with scientists, researchers, medical centers, communicating with Gedoli Yisrael, what can we do to help, to educate the population? So we need to be very clear again. No extremes over here. The key... The lock and key mechanism needs to work well. And if we become, the more educated we become, the more knowledgeable we become, and besides our dietary habits, and besides what we're putting in the carts when we go grocery shopping, are we exercising? As important as nutrition education is, is as important, if not more important, at least import, as important, is exercise. Any medical, any medical textbook, I can't say I've gone through every in the medical textbook, but I've gone through medical textbooks. Textbooks in endocrinology and diabetes is a field of endocrinology. The gold standard protocol for diabetes type 2 is proper diet and exercise. And in the history of my field, in my being a nutritionist, which has been a long period of time, I have never seen, maybe, I can't say, I'm just saying what I've seen in my practice, people that have come to me that are on medication here, I'm not against I think everybody needs to go to a, med- a doctor if there's a pre-diabetes, if diabetes. The field of endocrinology is the specialty of medicine which deals with diabetes. You need to go to a physician and get a full a well of evaluation, blood tests and blood levels and see what, where you're holding and get recommendations. But I've never seen somebody optimal, in an optimal way being regulated properly with either oral or injection medication. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't mean I'm not telling you not to go on medication. I'm not overstepping my boundary. But even if you are on medication, if you don't implement, if you don't put into, into, into your lifestyle proper eating habits and, and, and some type of structured 
um, exercise program, and you're relying on medication alone, alone, you're missing, you're missing the boat. You cannot, can't in any form of fashion, just keep a Band-Aid and a Band-Aid and a Band-Aid. The bleeding, sometimes you need a Band-Aid not to get blood on your clothes. A Band-Aid can be very valuable, but you got to get to the root. The piece of glass needs to come out. The, the splinter needs to come out. Whatever's causing the bleeding needs to be addressed and not just putting on another bandage and another bandage and another bandage. When the body, even before full-blown diabetes, this lock and key mechanism, again, when the when the pre this pre-diabetes condition, I don't like to use the word pre-diabetes because that means whatever it's whether it's diabetes, pre-diabetes, we're talking about a metabolic problem, a dysregulation of sugar, a dysregulation of hormones that needs to be addressed, and there are risk factors. There's increased risk factors. Even if a person doesn't develop full-blown diabetes, it's a mistake to think if the A1C does not show 6.5, which means that's a diagnosis of full-blown diabetes, even if it's less than 6.5, 5.7 to 6.4, there is some form of dysregulation over here of sugar metabolism. There's some metabolic problem, and especially, again, if there's fat in the abdominal area. It needs to be clearly, clearly addressed. Again, that's the worst place. The worst place for fat is the, in the abdominal area. And that's why, Rahmana let's learn, if it's not addressed, and even if a person is on medication, but they're not appropriately, they're not properly regulated, the sugar, then damage again to blood vessels, whether it's the arteries, the kidneys, the eyes, the extremities, the legs, the feet. How many people, sores on their feet, sores on the bottom and the extremities, the legs, they're going to podiatrists. You have to be careful, you diabetics. If you're diabetics listening to this show, or even pre-diabetics, doing an inspection of your legs and your feet, this, this breakage of the skin, the circulation problems, the cellulitis, ongoing cellulitis problems, infections, needs to be addressed. But at the, the forefront, again, is get, we want to get to the root of the problem. Also, as a, as, a, as a side note, it's not really for the focus of today's show, but the number one, but it's in the same, it's the same chant, it's the same profile. The number one endocrine problem, why women have a problem of infertility, something called PCOS, is, can be this metabolic problem, this faulty this not a, the 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 sugar regulation dysregulation, the hormone the hormones and the imbalance in hormones, is at the forefront of PCOS. 
Then and it it can affect probably over close to ten percent of the population. The number one endocrine problem why women have a problem in infertility. Other other problems, other things that can be contribute. People that are on certain medications, certain hormones, steroids, certain sleep problems. We'll get into how sleep deprivation can increase risk for this metabolic syndrome. And in my practice, I see so many people, so many people that with sleep deprivation, Mr. Gruber, I'm only getting five hours sleep, I'm only getting six hours sleep. And I look at their blood tests without them even saying anything to me. And I see very clearly some type of sugar, some type of metabolic problem, some type of dysregulation, sugar dysregulation, without them saying anything. And a lot of times I say, you know, I'm not going to even ask you. You'll tell me after what I'm going to say. I would imagine you gravitate out of the three food groups, protein, which is protein. Who doesn't? Who, the listeners are not familiar with the word protein. Protein, you, your examples of protein is your eggs, your chicken, your turkey, your meat, your dairy, your fish. That's protein. Your fats, the healthy fats, the avocado, the nuts, the seeds, the olive oil. We'll get into the difference protein and fats, your carbohydrates, the pastas, the sodas, and the carbs, and the breads, and all the candies, and the drinks, and the, and the, and the rice, and the potatoes. These are your carbohydrates, dysregulation. And I can see from the blood test... Mrs. So-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, without you telling me what you're eating during the day, I would imagine if we would take 1,600 to 2,000 calories and add up all the calories that you're eating in the course of a 24-hour period, most of your calories are coming from carbohydrates. And we'll get into simple carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates, whole grain carbohydrates, And I'm going to tell you something that might be so, you're not going to, it's going to be the first time you heard such a thing. When I'm seeing in my practice a diabetic, a pre-diabetic, and we think whole grains, whole grains, you know, white flour, whole wheat flour, whole grain flour. Most of the people, the majority of the people I try, that I see that has some type of dysregulation, sugar dysregulation, to me, whole wheat flour is not really too much better, any better than white flour. This might be a chiddish to you. And I'll get into the next show, part two. Why whole wheat pl- flour can be a problem. Whole wheat flour can be, can be very, is very high on the glycemic index. Yeah, it has its fiber and it could be good. It can maybe cholesterol and for colon health and for, and for maybe for, let's say, people that are constipated soluble, insoluble fiber. But for sugar regulation, people that have risk factors for different in sugar, they have a dysregulation in sugar, even whole wheat flour can be problematic. Again, I want to educate you in a very balanced way, not in in any, and I, I communicate again with the medical field as well as the nutritional field, and I'm not here to, I'm not, I'm not one-sided this way, one-sided this way. 
What is MS? What is MS? What is the data showing? What is the study showing from the medical field and the nutrition field? What increases more, this metabolic syndrome, as I mentioned, is weight. Weight is a very big problem. If you have much of the population, if you have two-thirds of the population, overweight. So let's say a person is five feet eight inches, let's say, and he weighs 164 pounds. He's overweight. And if he weighs 197 pounds, he's obese. Let's take a person five feet nine inches. If he weighs 169 pounds, he is overweight. If he's six feet and he weighs 184 pounds, he is overweight. Now, the bright side again, the bright, let's always try and look at the bright, the sunny side. We want to hear good things. We want the sun, Baruch Hashem, is out we want a sunny day. It all perks us up. A nice sunny day. Cool breeze, sunny day. Let Eliezer Gruber give us information that's sunny to us, that resonates with us in a sunny, bright fashion. The bright side, the sunny side. In almost all cases, if not every case, diabetes type 2 can be totally preventable. And when somebody has been diagnosed with diabetes type 2, or pre-diabetes, it can actually actually be with compliance, with the right program, with the right roadmap, can be reversed unless there's other underlying hormonal certain issues. But the majority of the time, again, it's a metabolic dealing with exercise and diet. Diet, exercise, sleep. You people out there that are hypoglycemic, foggy brain. You can't concentrate. The young people, Baruch Hashem, we're coming out with a book soon on attention deficit hyperactivity in several weeks. That's be our first book that will be published, Mitzvah Hashem, soon. Hypoglycemic and the attention deficit hyperactivity. Kids can't today. They can't focus. They can't. They want to, the, the schools want to put them on medication. They can't focus. They can't. They're, they're, they're off the, uh, they can't sit still for long periods of time. They can't concentrate. Hypo, not hyper, we spoke about hyper. Diabetes and prediabetes can actually start with hypoglycemia. That means dysregulation in sugar. Hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, foggy brain, where are my keys, where are my glasses, where is this? I have short-term memory, long-term memory, I can't remember this and I can't remember that. Mood swings, irritability, being tired. Our early signs can be early signs of this sugar dysregulation. And that's why a lot of us gravitate. When we have this foggy brain, when we have this so-called low, this hypoglycemia, we gravitate to carbohydrates, a quick fix to increase our blood sugar. And for the next hour, two hours after we have our quick fix, it's our comfort food. I call it comfort foods. Why we gravitate? Why we addicted? We had a series on carbohydrate addiction. We have CDs on carbohydrate addiction. Why we gravitate to carbohydrates? Because we have a dysregulation of sugar, and that's beginning. That can be at the four, at the pre, before the prediabetes start. Dysregulation, gastric bypass. Is that the answer? 
gastric bypass surgery has increased from 10,000 to 200,000 people in the last de decade. We are witnessing an explosion in surgeries, lap bands, medication that the world has never witnessed before in the history of the world. The imbalances in our physiology and our biology is such a, it's a result of such complex interactions between our genetics, our genes, and our environment. Our DNA. Do we want our genes, our genetics, our DNA? Do we want it to, to sing a beautiful song? Or is it going to sob with tears of sorrow? It's our choice. It's our choice. And as the Rambam says very clearly, most diseases are from wrong eating habits. Habits. I have never seen a person, again, in the history and the field of being a nutrition that's been regulated, the prescription pad model, whether it's diabetes, whether it's emotional illness, mental illness, another drug, another drug, again, I'm not saying you need to go and you need a, a proper evaluation in the bright field of medicine, but work together, both fields together, medicine and nutrition together. There is such an alarming increase, and in, again, in the field of endocrinology and this disreg sugar dysregulation, increase in the field of neurology and cognitive function into into Alzheimer's, dementia, there's such an increase in emotional health problems today, in depression and bipolar disorder. What are we going to do with this? We need to be educated and we need, again, a strong, a very strong education system. In the schools and, and, and as parents, we need to be educated very, very clearly. Again, the high fructose corn syrup, it's so, and I look in the foods today, in the ingredients, besides all the, the wrong fat, the hydrogenated fats, causes inflammation, diabetes is a, it causes so much more problems, inflammation, inflammatory problems. The high fructose corn syrup, poison, totally poison for our brains, for our youth, and this is what it's being. This is what we've been sending our kids today. The snacks that we go to school, that our kids take to school. Mitz Hashem, Mitz Hashem. We will continue with part two, but we're going to take now a short break. If you have any questions, please feel free to call. The number to call is seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. If you would like to text in a question, the number to text is, or the number is three four to text three four seven nine two seven eight three nine eight. We'll be back just in a couple minutes. Geser, 
Welcome back to JRU Radio. Again, Healthy Living. My name is Ilya Zuguber. We have someone on the line. Hello. Hello. I think my thing's off. Hello. Hello. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Gruber. Yeah, I'm hello. sorry. Yeah, hello. Hi. Uh, hello. You hear me? Now, now? I hear, now I hear you. Okay, okay. So first of all, thank you very much. I'm telling you, I, I'm in Manhattan listening to you to the apps radio, and it's uh, really a Mechayet uh, program. My question to you is, you know, the part of the radio, J. Root Radio, how we can convince, you know, I know in the house you can convince the mother and the parents, but how we convince our institute? to follow, you know, and to help our children, teach uh, children to, 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 get, to get a better, a better di- uh, diet. And, you know, I know that many teachers are using the, the sugar, and the candies, and, the, you know, the, the sodas as incentive, as a price to, to the kids. And I'm telling you, I still find myself, my kids coming from school, what you eat, I'm, I'm not happy at all. How we can do that? The analog and the you know the kitchen in the I know that it costs a little bit more money, but how we can do it? And awareness of the, the institute, the shibor, the schools. I know that they're all with 
bread right now is coming. It's a Michigan, but what, what else we can do? I know I'm telling you, I'm talking about, you know, as, as a radio person and to you, how we can convince Dan a lot how to do it. To me, to me, to me, it's very, very simple. First, uh, I appreciate the compliment you gave. And to me, it's very simple. The way it needs to get to be done, I think the right method is. I would like to do this really, with, uh, because I know J Root Radio is is so out there to help people and to educate, whether it's from a Torah perspective, a nutritional perspective, you know, the right music to hear and the right people and the right education and the Torah education. So let's let's now take that over to the education, what you just mentioned, the schools, how we can now educate and get a very good educational program. It really needs to start in the schools. It needs to be with we need to have education in the it starts really at elementary schools and in and, and, and high schools and I think the way to do it is to get a a um have it like a, a synergistic or a a combination of rabbonin a combination of doctors and nutritionists now to be able to educate the school system because the school really needs to wear it because I can be on the radio and the parents can hear and listen and change and I get phone calls and people come in, but we need to do it on a much larger scale like you mentioned. Way to do it is in the schools. Recently, I've received a phone call from out of the country. Now they want to have now a seminar, a symposium, and I should come there as out of the country to be able to educate them via Bikr Choylem and now educate them on health and wellness. We need education is where it needs to be, begin, and in the school system is the optimal place to begin. And if we get, the, I think, the school system now to have a education program, I would be more than happy without any charge to be able to know and to be able to go and to have some type and develop with an educational protocol program for the school systems, this is where we need to go. And get the haskamas from the medical field, get haskamas from the Rabbanin, so it's, it's, a, it's a network between Rabbanin, between doctors and nutritionists. I think this is the only way it's going to happen. That's what I wanted to hear, and this really, we are pushing, I think that we're pushing to do this, more involvement of the parents and more pressure on the school uh, institute that the, the, the teacher, the the, the Banimas is the board, you know, feel, you know, as, as the children, as I know that they feel that the children is like on their own children, and I know they want the benefit, but sometimes I feel when I give to my children soda, I tell you the truth, I feel that I'm poisoning them. That's why I'm taking out the soda from our house. And it's exactly the same with the sugar, with all this stuff. We have to understand that we have, we have a replacement, we have a better stuff that to do, and we can give to the kids if we teach them. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, what, I mean what you say, poison, I know is a... I mentioned how sugar, too much sugar can poison the brain. And to, and to bring up proof, if you can have published, as I mentioned earlier, in the, in the renowned nutritional, uh, new, I'm sorry, New England Journal of Medicine, that not even diabetes, high sugar levels doubles the risk for Alzheimer's disease, which is such a devastating disease. That means brain cells are dying in Alzheimer's disease. Neurons are dying. So we see what sugar can do to brain cells. So what are we doing? 
to our children. The, what we, you know, it's like one in five children have a, a school boys are diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. One in five children have a have a psychiatric problem that needs adolescents or children and adolescents that need some type of uh, some type of medication. I mean, we're poisoning and poisoning our kids today. And I think that we, according to the halacha, we're putting mirshol b'tzneizer. Yeah, kids love candies, kids love sugar, and it's no question. But we have to teach them, and be'ezod Hashem. And this is calling to all the parents, all the educators that listen to us. And as you said, people approach you from out of the country, but here I don't see it so much. The be'ezod Hashem. If somebody needs any help to organize in a school, some kind of event, some kind of education, please contact J. Root or contact the, uh, the uh, neutral health, uh, you know, the health, uh, you know, what, Dr. Gruber and uh, Nutra Supreme, and we will uh, we will help you to, to organize this, you know. It's, it's besides also that the psychiatry stuff broken, as you mentioned, all this H. HDD and all that stuff that uh, the kids are really suffering today. You know, you know, you know. We had on the radio show about uh, six months ago, nine months ago, uh, Dr. Nudman, who's a professor of uh, psychiatry at the Wild Cornell Medical Center, who we spoke about uh, emotional illness and psychiatric problems. And he was speaking about eating habits, like the Mediterranean type of diet, reducing the, reducing the risk of depression, which is major today, depression among children and adolescents. So it's clear from the medical field, it's clear from the nutritional field, it's clear from psychologists, it's sealed from psychiatrists that we need a strong education education system and it's and teach the teachers the schools the principals what it means to have a a, a clear roadmap a healthy roadmap for proper emotional wellness so this is the, I, I i'm going to finish because i'm driving but i want to say this is my my final calls to all you know the teacher parents everyone and the request and begging please consider this Consider to organize something in your class. So you consider something in the school, in the house, and contact us, and we will try to help us, to help you. That's us, basically. I'm Israel, I'm Echad, and we want to help all of us, all our children. It's precious, and this is a really a big present from Akadosh Baruch Hu, our children, and we have to get there. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Okay, I would like to just give out before we conclude the information, contact information at the Nutri Supreme Research and Education Center. Again, we're located at 4315 14th Avenue in Borough Park. The number, local number is 718-853-0644. The email is egruber at nutrisupreme.com. Our website is www.nutrisupreme.com. And again, out there, whether schools, principals, teachers, whoever's listening to this show, education, please contact Jay Root. They're out. Radio Jay Root is out to help Klau Yisrael. And Jay Root, Be'ez Hashem, I'll work together with Jay Root. And Be'ez Hashem, we will somehow put together and put into 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 the education system, into the school system, some type of education program. So every, anybody who is interested, please contact Radio Jay Root and have a wonderful Shabbos.